Welcome to the SCG Church Young Adults Podcast, where we get to bring you sermons and content to help you bring you closer to Jesus, develop your faith, and just figure out life. Join us Sunday nights at 7 p.m. in the SCG Church Warehouse for our Young Adult Services, or at our General Services. We hope you enjoy. I want you to grab your Bibles, and what book of the Bible do you think we're in today? No, we're not in the book of Romans, uh, chapter 6. We're in the book of Matthew, chapter 6 today. Here's why. All right, so I, uh, I spent 20 hours this last week uh, studying for Romans, chapter 6. And, uh, and Tim, he closed uh, last week, Romans 5. And uh, as I was studying, it starts opening up some pretty big topics um, about the Holy Spirit, his role, who is he, and how, how, we, how, his, how his presence and his power can be efficacious in the life of a believer. And... Uh, I realized that I was only going to get to like one or two verses with you guys today. And then next week is Friendsgiving. And so I'm not going to talk about Romans. I'm going to talk about friends, obviously. And, uh, and then after that, we're doing a worship night. And then uh, throughout the month of December, I'm going to do uh, uh, like, a, like a whole like the unique Christmas series uh, where I'm seeing Christmas in a new light, probably because I have a little baby. Uh, and so there's some things I want to share with you guys. Um, and so we're going to launch a Christmas series throughout the month of December. And so I figured like if I was going to talk about the Holy Spirit and just give you two or three or four verses and some thoughts, uh, I wouldn't do it justice. And so, so we're going to kind of hold on Romans and relaunch it back back in the new year, uh, starting with chapter six, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. And so today we're, uh, we're actually going to be in the book of Matthew, uh, not the book of Romans. Now, uh, I was kind of reflecting on my job this last week. If you're here at our main campus, our senior pastor Doyle, he asked me to come up on stage and share some thoughts as I was, brought my daughter up. And uh, about what the last kind of handful of years have been like, uh, I guess not the last handful, the last 10 or 11 years have been for, like, been like, like for me at this church, where God has moved so greatly in my life. And I started reflecting on my time of being a pastor, at least working at this church for 11 um, years. And I started thinking about, like, what are the things I really like? And one of the things I enjoy most is the opportunity to sit over coffee with somebody, just to get to know their story, get to know who they are, get to know what's going on in their life, get to hear about the future that they hope to create and paint and fashion, and also hear about the things that maybe are some stressors, some things that are causing them worry and anxiety in their life to see if I can help shift focus or take burden or whatever it may be, or communicate truth or something along those lines. And the more and more that I sit specifically with young adults, I see that there's a theme that's reoccurring more and more and more and more as I sit with more young adults, whether that be Gen Z or that be millennials. And that theme really is the theme of worry. And when you think about it, I'll say it this way, I came across a study a few weeks ago from Harvard, and it said this. It said that, um, that the worry, depression, anxiety in the last 40 years has gone up tenfold, 20-fold since covid Statistics show that 20% of Gen Z, so that's most of you guys, are taking medication for anxiety. That's one in every five people probably in this room. And so obviously, the topic of anxiety, the topic of worry, it's a big topic. And so today, tonight, what I want to do is I want to spend a little bit of time talking to you about the topic of worry and anxiety. Uh, when I think about the topics of worry, anxiety, and all this, it really is kind of a, a topic that really is near and dear and close to kind of my heart, because it's something I struggled with, really, and held me captive for really many years. I remember as a kid feeling so anxious about things that I would literally, like, like throw up. In fact, I remember going to sixth grade camp for the very first time, and um, you guys, did, you guys, did you guys do fifth or sixth grade camp, you know, where it's like your school, you know, goes to the mountains and does whatever? Well, it was my first time where I was going to be, like, a really away from home. Like, I spent the night at buddies and things like that, but, like, it was never, like, I'm away from home, right? And I remember that when I got there, like, just the feelings of fear and worry and anxiety, like, enveloped me like I was wearing a blanket of it, right? It just covered my life and held me captive for the week. I remember literally calling my mom on a payphone because cell phones weren't really a popular thing yet, or at least I didn't have one. And I called her literally in the five days that we were there from Monday to Friday, probably 20 times, right, to 
you need to pick me up. You need to pick me up. I'm, I'm anxious. I just need to come home. I need to come home, right? And she's like, you're fine. You're like, you just need to stay there. Like, and it was just so anxious. I even remember times, right, where my parents would say they'd be, they, would, they, would go, they would go to the store, and I'd say, okay, how long are you going to be gone? And they would say, I'm going to be gone for 10 or 15 minutes. And if it, was, if it was the 11th minute or the 16th minute or the 20th minute, and they said they were going to be back at 10 or 15 minutes, I would start to get so anxious. I started to pace around my house thinking that like something happened to them. They got in a car accident that I was going to lose them. And there's all these thoughts of fear just crept into my, 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 my mind. It held me captive. Sometimes I'd get so anxious that like I would literally run through, and this is a kid, through the park to the liquor store where my parents would normally be. And, and at night, and I would, I would hide in a bush to see if my dad's Suburban was still there to make sure they didn't get in a car accident on the way there. And it wasn't that far away from our house, maybe two or three football fields. And, and I would wait for him to drive back and I would follow his car basically on the sidewalk to make sure they didn't get in an accident. And when he parked, and I, I would just have this great sign of relief. And as I reflect back on those years, 20 years ago or whatever it was, I realized it kind of looks like, a, like almost like a mental illness, right? Like I think about that and I go like, what was going on? I, I, I worried so much. I felt like I had the weight of my family placed upon my shoulders. And then if I wasn't present or if they were out of my sight, that something bad was going to happen to them. You know, growing up with parents um, of alcoholics, it really kind of makes you grow up quick. And, and you start messing with um, adult things as a child, and, and it makes you grow up really quick. But children, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, cognitively, aren't, aren't designed, don't have the capacity to hold the weight of adulthood. Uh, I think my counselor said it best. He said, I, t- I imagine that you felt like a kid that was like holding like a, like a shifting table. And as the table was shifting, there were marbles on it. It was your job as a kid from six, seven, and eight, and nine, and 10 years of age to keep the marbles on the table. Like, how exhausting is that, he asked me. And I said, that's a great analogy for what I felt my childhood was like. And it was brilliant because that's why I was worrying so much. So what is worry? What is anxiety? Because we've all experienced that at some moment in our lives, maybe right now you're in a season where you would say, I have anxiety. I'm full of worry right now. Or you can at least go back to a time or a season in your life where that was something that you were plagued with. And so what is at the root of our worry? And is there a way to face the uncertainties of tomorrow by not worrying about it today? Well, first, I think there is really two things we need to understand about our worries, two things that we're going to talk about today. Number one, worrying as we know it is the body's physical response to a spiritual issue. Worrying is our body's physical response to a spiritual issue. Right, so there's a physical response to this, right? When we're worried, our hypothalamus, our pituitary gland, and our adrenal glands, they're flooded with chemicals like dopamine, adrenaline, norepinephrine, I can't say that, cortisol, other things like, uh, and like, it's like a poison, right? It just floods us. But then there's also a spiritual issue. And I'm not saying that the Bible doesn't ignore that there's a mental and psychological aspect of worry, but rather it sees them all as a part, really, of a spiritual issue. Number two, the spiritual issue is a response to a life lived in God's fallen world. The spiritual issue is a response to life living God's fallen world. Therefore, worry is a response to God himself. And the response, the reaction, come from not seeing God's nature incorrectly. I'll say it this way. If you believed God was who he says he was, he was a provider, he was good, he was a good father, you wouldn't worry. Just like I hope that when my daughter's around me that she doesn't worry because I'm going to take care of things that are in my capacity to take care of. Yeah, I'm a limited being, but God is unlimited, And so if you and I could really see the Father for who he really is, that would release us not to worry. Before we kind of get to unpack these really two main points, I want to first tell you what worrying is not. You know that test maybe that coming up and like you didn't really study for it? You're just trusting in the good old Lord to bring to your memory all the stuff you didn't study for? Yeah, that's 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 not what worry is. Or maybe you're feeling like you're signing up for classes and you missed the deadline, or you feel like your fast is like a month late. Yeah, we're not, we're not talking about those feelings of anxiety either. Or maybe there's something, right, that you really want to go like really, really well, and you didn't properly prepare yourself, so you're starting to like trip out. 
Yeah, that's not worrying either, right? Like, that's just us being idiots and us not adequately being good stewards of our lives. But we're also not talking about, like, wanting something to go really, like, really well. And, like, we're concerned and anxious about that thing going really well. I'll give you an example, right? Um, I remember uh, talking to Doyle, which he's the senior pastor of our church, a.k.a. my boss, um, asking to Mary's daughter. And, oh, my gosh. I mean, my gosh, I was so nervous, right? My, my, my palms were sweaty, my knees were weak, my arms were heavy. I was so nervous, right? Like, I was like, my heart was beating inside my chest, right? So I took him to this restaurant over here, and I was like, Doyle, like, you're, you're a smart guy. You probably figured out why I took you to the nicest restaurant near here, and it's more than I can pay. Uh, and he's like, he's like he, just, he just laughed at me, and I said, I, you know, can I, can I marry your daughter? Can I spend the rest of my life with, with your daughter? And, uh, and he's like, I got some questions for you. And I'm like, you know, just like, I'm so nervous, right? And, uh, you know, the questions I thought, he, I, I prepped like all morning, all week, you know, the questions he could ask me. I Googled like, you know, BuzzFeed had like the 12 things that dads ask, right? Didn't ask any of them, right? I thought he was gonna be like, how are you gonna, how are you gonna care for my daughter? And I was like, well, if you turn to page 54 in the packet, you know, like, you know, but that's not at all what he asked me. Like, he didn't ask me any of those things. The question he asked me was this, um, what role has God, is God currently and will in the future play in your relationship with my daughter? And I was like, uh, like, we will love the Lord, and I'll love her, and treat her, and pet her. Like, you know, like, I don't know, like, I was, I was like, I was perplexed. Like, what a, what a question, like, that I didn't think of, you know? But, so that's not, what, that's not what worry is either, right? We're not talking about being concerned about wanting something to go well. That's maybe a part of worrying, but that's not the essence of worrying. And so today, I guess I just want to look at the root of worry, and I want to journey through what Jesus says about our worries. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pull your phone out, or a piece of paper, and a pen, whatever it is. We're going to do a little activity. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a list right now of the top five things that you were devoted to this last year. The top five things that you were devoted to this last year, all right? Think about them. What was it? You wanted to pass that class. You wanted to dump that loser that your friends told you you should dump two years ago. Whatever. What was the thing that you were devoted to doing? You had put effort towards. It was a goal. It was an aspiration. It was a dream. What were the five things that you were devoted to do this last year? Save, switch job, whatever it was, right? Five things. Then, out of those five things, I want you to rate them one to ten, one being, you weren't like, 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 out of the list of five, that would be the thing you were least devoted to, and then 10 being, that was the thing you were most devoted to. Or I guess you could just number them one through five. Whatever works, whatever's easiest for you, all right? So if it's five or 10, it's the thing that you were most devoted to, and if it was one, it was the thing you probably least devoted to. I'm gonna give you guys 30 seconds, maybe do a minute. Take some time either writing it down or in your phones. You guys got a minute, ready, set, go. All right, all right, your minute is up. All right, real quick, raise your hand. Um, finding a boyfriend or girlfriend. Oh, you liars. I know why you're at young adults. Uh, no, I'm playing. Uh, I mean, better than, better than me and someone at a bar, right? Um, all right, here's the next thing I want you to do. All right, I want you to look at your list and rate those from one to 10. How much stress or worry and anxiety each of those things gave you this last year? How much did you trip out? over one of those things, right? So one to 10, 10, it gave you the most worry and most stress and most anxiety, and one, like you were just chilling, you're coasting. All right, you guys got 30 more seconds, ready, set, go. All right, all right, bring it up. Here's what I'm willing to guess or bet if you were honest and you were good at this exercise. That you were most devoted to, the thing that you're most devoted to also occupied your mind the most and made you worry about it the most. Here's the point. The things that you're most devoted to are the things that determine what you probably really worry about. 
Right? The things that you have the biggest grip on your heart are the things you're going to worry most about. Now, we don't often really think this way because right, we have boiled down worrying to purely just an emotion or anxiety purely to an emotion. But like I said earlier, worrying, it's scripture over and over, reaffirms this reality that worrying is a spiritual issue because it has to deal with our devotions. A devotion is a spiritual word. It's a worship word, actually. Let me give you an example to communicate this. I don't, what I don't with what I don't worry about. I don't ever worry about your grades in college. It never freaks me out. I don't worry about your jobs. I don't worry about uh, uh, your receding hairline if you have one. <laughs> I don't worry about, uh, uh, I don't know, if, you, if your girlfriend thinks you need to lose weight. I don't worry about your singleness. Like I'm not, I'm not, I don't wake up in a cold sweat thinking some of you guys are single. That doesn't happen to me. Why? I don't worry about those things because I am not devoted to your grades, your jobs, to the flourishing or non-flourishing of your dating life because never once in my life, never once in my life I devoted myself to those things. I've devoted and I worry about the things that are core devotions to my life and you, about, you worry about the things that are core devotions to your life. And this is because what we worry about reveals what our hearts are most devoted to. And this is why the topic of worrying is a deep spiritual issue. Because Christ calls for our hearts, he calls for our devotions. He calls for our first loves, he calls for our identities, he calls for our attention. And when we worry, we have an opportunity to see the type of things that can tend to really get more of our attention than God does. And the things maybe we trust in more than we trust in God. And this is because worrying always reveals what we say we trust versus what we actually trust. It's obvious, right, the things that we trust in are the things that we're going to be most devoted to. Let me give you an example, right? You trust in um, what the world says about college. That's why so much of your life is devoted to what college maybe am I going to? What degree or thing am I going to pursue there? You trust what society says about finding maybe the right one that's going to complete you. And so, so much of your thoughts maybe are centered around, God, could you bring me the right person? You trust what society has said about money, so you devote, and you will devote most of your life not maybe defining God's calling on your life, but what job field gives me the most income. It's no coincidence, right? The things that we stress out most are the things that we care most about, the things that we are most devoted to. That's not a life-altering reality or a life-altering um, observation, let's say. So here's the question, though. What if, what if you shift your devotions? Could you also possibly stop worrying? What if you shifted your devotions? Could you possibly stop worrying? Jesus says, not only is it possible, but rather he says, follow me and I'll show you how. Grab your Bibles, go with me to the book of Matthew. Chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 25. It says this, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one or, uh, and you will love the other, or you'll be devoted, there's that worship word again, to the one you'll despise it. You cannot serve both God and money. Studies have shown that Americans, the number one worry is money. Also, do you know the number one reason that people get divorced? is not adultery, it's money. Jesus taught a lot about money because he knew that we'd have a tendency to worry about it a lot. So he says, therefore, what does the word therefore mean? Whenever you see it in scripture, you pause, you go, in light of everything that was just said, therefore, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Now you and I kind of skip over the intensity of the statement that Jesus is making here, um, but we need to look at who his original audience was 2,000 years ago. Who was the audience? When Jesus said, do not worry about your life, who was it? Who was in the audience? Well, most of them were surviving off less than a dollar a day. Plagues would often come in and kill a third of the entire city. They lived mostly likely in slavery. 95% of them couldn't read or write, and odds were that most people were going to die before the age of 30. I turned 30 like in a month. That'd be a bummer, right? Just know the clock is ticking, right? So what does that mean in our context today? It means don't worry about getting into the college of your dreams. Don't worry about finding the job that you love. Don't worry about finding the perfect soulmate. Don't worry about paying all of your bills. In other words, don't worry about your life. And so you're thinking, wait, what? Wait, 
what are you, what are you, like, what are you saying? I, I shouldn't want to go to a good college. I, I shouldn't want to get a good job and have a good marriage. I, I shouldn't want those type of things. No, Jesus is not saying that. He's saying those things are important, but the outcomes are uncertain, so trust me with them. See, if you care so much about, about, about the issue or the thing, shouldn't you put it into the hands of the person who has the most control of it? So let me show you that there is a way to face the uncertainties tomorrow by not having to worry about these things today. And so you ask the question, how? Verse 25 says this, is life not more than food? I want you to highlight that. And the body more than clothes. See, what he's doing here is he's actually trying to get us to pull back and refocus by challenging our assumptions of what life really is all about. So is life not more than going to college? Of course it is. But if you've ever got, so the very first time that I, I uh, applied to Biola, um, my grades weren't like where they should have been and I got denied. I felt like my life was coming to an end, right? Is life not more than college? Is life not more than getting a, into a relationship? Is life not more than your job? Is life not more than your appearances? Right? Sure, a lot of those things are maybe important, but your life is a lot bigger than that. They're just components of your life. Here's what a pastor named John Piper says. He says this, if you are gripped by anxiety over these things, you've lost sight of the greatness of life. Life was not given primarily for physical pleasures, but for something greater, the enjoyment of God. Life was not given primarily for the approval of man, but for something greater, the approval of God. Life was not even given primarily for the extension of this earth, but for, but for something greater, eternity with God in the age to come. Go with me to verse 26, says this, look at the birds of the air. I want you to imagine, right? You're at, you're at coffee at Starbucks with Jesus. You both got cappuccinos, right? You're hanging out and you're just pouring your heart, all your anxieties, all your stresses, all the things that have been occupying and, and, and this bill and that college and this degree and, and all the things that caused you to have anxiety. And Jesus just goes, hey, it's cool, dude. Hey, would you just like look at the birds? You probably like pop them in the mouth. Be like, Jesus, are you not like, like, do you not understand? Like, I'm anxious about this stuff. Can you listen? Like, my, my, can you hear the, my heartbeat? Like, I'm anxious about this stuff. Look at the birds. And Jesus would say, are, are, you, are you done? I told you not to worry about any of that stuff. Listen, listen maybe to what I have to say next. He says this, do not sow a reap or stow away in barns and get your heavenly father feeds them. The birds aren't worrying because worrying is unnatural. You have taught yourself to worry. Romans 12, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's a pattern. Here's what this means. Worrying is a learned response and is most likely a byproduct of trusting yourself more than trusting God. Learning is a learned response and comes as a byproduct of trusting in yourself and your efforts and your talents and your abilities to unlock opportunities and doors, find calling, meaning, and purpose more than trusting God, the very author of life himself. But look at the birds. They seem stressed out. They just fly around. They just chill. Sometimes they decide to fly south. Sometimes they fly north. Right? Sometimes they build tree forts. Sometimes they poop on unclean cars, but for some reason it's always clean cars. Like they just, they just, they're just chilling around, right? They don't, they don't have schedules or plans. They don't, they don't have goals. They kind of just go with the flow. In other words, they aren't doing any of the responsible things that you're doing, like going to school, getting a job, coming to church, and your heavenly Father takes care of them. And so now he asks a question. Go with me to the question. Are you... Not much more valuable than they. The answer is yes, absolutely 100%. Why? Because you are created in God's image. You are, if you are found in Christ, his son or daughter who he loves deeply. And yes, God cares for you more than he cares for other created things. He put us even as rulers over the animals of this world. And eventually he would send his son, not as an alligator, a bird, or a lion, or an angel, but as a human being to die for you and me because he loves you and me. Verse 27, can any one of you, by worrying at a single hour, to your life. In other words, worrying is purposeless and unhelpful. Worrying until your stomach churns and, and you can barely live because uh, all the stress in your life is the opposite of adding years to your life. 
Right? Studies show that worrying decreases the quantity of years and the quality of those years. Verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon, if you guys don't know, backtrack Solomon, one of the wealthiest people to have ever lived, King Solomon in the ancient world. And all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. Next, Jesus tells us why. The concept of worry and the concept of anxiety is a deep spiritual issue. If this is how God clothed the grass of the field, which is here today and t- tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, highlight you of little faith? Worrying, therefore, is illustrative. It actually shows the depth, the strength, the gravity of your faith. Think about this. As Christians, right, we believe that God created the entire world, spoke it, created everything, created the entire world, then sent his son, Jesus, to solve the sin problem for you and me so that you and I could go to heaven one day. You and I still struggle with like, so there's that, and we hold that kind of that, that gift near and dear to our heart. God did all these miraculous things. You struggle with like, am I going to get married one day? Am I going to like find meaning and purpose in my life? Is God going to open up doors of opportunity like a scripture says he is? Worrying is illustrative. In other words, you are willing to trust God with eternal life, just not this one. You're willing to trust God with the there and the then, just not the here and the now. It shows a lack of faith. That's why worrying is illustrative. It's pretty silly. You can believe God for a greater gift, not believe him for a lesser one. It reveals a lack of faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans, non-believers, run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Verse 33 is pivotal. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Righteousness. What does that word mean again? We talked about it in Romans. Seek to be in a right relationship with him. And all these things will be given to you as well. See, the foundational issue that cuts to the root of our worry, Jesus asks us, are you living as if this life is all there is, or are you living for me? Or which God and which kingdom are you trying to build? He says that because he knows that worrying is a response to attempt, attempting to find our ultimate value and meaning and purpose, and maybe comfort in something that's temporal and fleeting, something that's in this world, something that's not God. It happens when you try to treat something in creation as God, right? It, it, you rely on it, you seek blessing from it, you find and mold your identity after it, and you center your value and you gather self-esteem around this job opportunity, how much you make a year, who you're, uh, uh, are you in a relationship or not, in a, whatever it may be. It's when something in creation, even a good thing, usurps the rightful place that God only deserves in our lives. And if that ever happens, you will 100% always struggle with worry. Let me bring like a little bit of application here. Your question is this, right? What what does it look like to replace our worries with trusting God? What does it look like? Like, what are my steps now? Number one, you need to know the character of God. We have to understand that God is loving, kind, that scripture over and over and over and over reaffirms that he is a provider and that he cares for his family. That God's desire for you is not to worry, not to anguish. Rather, he desires human flourishing. And so as long as you are staying connected to him, he's going to take care of you. Number two is you have to practice fighting worry. And we fight worry by doing three things. Number one, we have to begin and end our day declaring we trust in God, invite his Holy Spirit to help us love what he loves. In the book of Philippians chapter four, it says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live. That's a verb. As you live, as you pursue, as you surrender, as you continue to follow the will of God in your life, you will have the peace of God that surpasses understanding, imputed, given into your heart as you live in Christ Jesus. Number two is you need to refocus your worry. See, we, we often worry about building our own kingdoms. We're focused on building up our, our lives, our futures, our, our kingdoms. And so we put all the pressures of our futures, our families, and our problems on our shoulders. And those expectations of your family or the expectations you place on yourself will crush you because you were never designed to be the God over your life. 
And so for listen for God's calling in your life. Work hard, set goals, but most importantly, lean into God and what he wants for your life. I have a thought, but I'll hold it for a second. The last is this. I want you to identify worry for what it is. It is a useless distrust. Identify worry for what it is, a useless distrust. I'm actually going to invite the band to lead us to one more song, and they can start getting ready now. But as they do that, there's a few thoughts that I just want to, I want to give and I want to leave you with. I heard a quote that I really liked. It's this. Worrying is like sitting in a rocking chair. Sure, it gives you something to do, but it gets you nowhere. Sitting in a rocking chair. It gives you, it, it expends energy, but it places you and puts you nowhere. See, worrying is two things. Number one, it's useless. Like, according to WebMD, I get cancer like twice a week. I, I, this last week, I got n- nine migraines in two. What happened there? Uh, I got, my wife's going to kill me. Uh, and I'm worried about that. Um, I'm always getting my clothes dirty. You know, like, I got nine migraines in two days. I get these things called cluster headaches. And so I'm like Googling. It's like, you have brain cancer. I'm like, frick. You know, like, like I'm like losing my mind, you know. But worrying is useless, right? It's never caused me to have something, nor has it ever cured me of something. But worry is also a distrust. It says, I trust my worry more than I trust my God. And we need to recognize that. And so today, as we kind of wrap up, I want you to know that we fight worry by remembering, number one, the character of our God, that he's good. And that he'll prov- if you just give him your life, he'll change it and he'll provide for it. We say at this church, Jesus changes everything, and the truth is he does, but he can only change that which you place in his hand. Jesus changes everything, and he does, but he only changes and infuses life to that which you give him. And so if you want your life not to have worry, you need to give your life to him. In the book of Luke, chapter 9, verse 23, it says that we're to pick up our cross daily and walk. And it means that in a constant submission to who God is and his will for our lives, that's where peace comes in, where we begin to live the life that God wants us to live in constant submission to his will. Number one, we practice fighting worry by remembering the character of God, that he's good, that he's a provider, that he's a father, and then by staying focused on his kingdom, and then actively giving our worries over to him. God, this is what I'm worried about. Where you worry about it? When you're worried about something, you hand it over to God, it invites his power, his plan, and his provision into that, and he can do something about it. And so today, as our band leads us through, our worship team leads us through one last song, here's kind of the thing I just want to encourage you to do. I want you to identify the one thing in your life that's causing you some anxiety, some causing you some worry, causing some, something in your life that's just making you feel uncertain. And in that, I want you to visualize yourself handing it over to God and saying, God, would you worry about this? Can I give this over to you and no longer be held captive to the feelings of anxiety or worry or uncertainty in my life? Let me pray. Father, today I'm thankful that you are a provider. I'm thankful, God, that you are a God that promises to take care of our worries. And I'm, th- I'm so thankful that scripture, like in the book of John chapter 13, it says that you are a God of peace and that you can give us peace. And that your peace is something that is different than the type of peace that this world gives us. It transcends understanding. And so, Father, I ask, God, that we learn to trust you. We learn to lean, God, into you. And ultimately, Father, that you would replace our worry, God, with peace. Father, we love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to the SCG Church Young Adults Podcast. For more information about our services, events, and ways to get involved, head on over to scgchurch.org. Thanks again for listening and have a blessed day.